0: Be the best, and you got to pay no price. If you want it bad enough, you got to do a little extra things to get it.
1: Welcome to the 11 Personnel Podcast, your favorite Rams podcast. I'm your (laughs) herp. Been that kind of a week. To our producer, we'll keep that one in. Welcome to the Eleven Personnel Podcast, your favorite Rims podcast. I'm your host Jordan Rodriguez, and with me, as always, my fabulous co-host Rich Hammond. Rich, how are we doing?
2: Jordan, I uh, have to embarrass you off the jump here. Um, oh, it's mo- Monday morning as we were uh, recording this, and uh, I'm seeing you on my uh, Zoom screen right now. But last night I saw you on my TV screen. Ah. <laughs> And uh, fantastic job in studio with Fox Eleven. I saw you were standing there right before the commercial, and it was like, "Wow, you're like part of the show now." Like they've got you, they've got you throwing it to commercial on on Fox Eleven, which was really awesome. Uh, I want to say uh, thanks first of all to Kyle Kraska on uh, on Fox Eleven, giving us a couple shout outs for the podcast. Uh, uh, great job, Jordan. You were you are in studio there uh, breaking down uh, as we will um, a pretty awful. Rams Falcons game. Yikes. If you're from the Rams, excuse me, Rams Bills game. Uh, hopefully it won't be an awful Rams Falcons game this weekend, but we'll talk about that. But uh, Jordan, do you like doing TV? It's it's totally different, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's so distracting. There's so much going on, but you were such a pro at it. Did you enjoy it?
1: Um, I enjoyed it. It's not my preference to do TV, but (laughs) I will do it when nice people ask me to. Um, and I, they're, they are very nice people over there at that station. Um, and they're always so gracious to me and they plug us a lot, which is also similarly very, very nice of them to do. And I enjoy that crew because, it's very conversational. I've been in studios sometimes where it's not been like that. And, um, yeah. Kyle does such a great job and and those guys over there, they do such a great job because they do keep it like really, really conversational when we're, we're actually talking and before we'd only done it on zoom. So it was fun to be in studio, um, yesterday, uh, we're recording on Monday morning and I was at the, I opened the six o'clock on, on Sunday night and I did not expect to be cutting them to commercial. Uh, <laughs> I stood on my mark and I said things and that was what I thought I was going to be doing. And that was kind of cool. That was it. That one was a first for me, which was neat. Um, but yeah, that was a lot of fun. It kind of, um, you know, y- you can talk, you have to talk so succinctly. Those guys do a great job and they're pros because they can package a whole lot of ideas up into, small, succinct points because of the time constraints between commercial breaks. And I thought so we were kind of joking about it. Like Kyle was was like, oh, yeah, when you guys get on the podcast, like you can really put your foot on the pedal on some of these on some of these um, topics, which we will today because my oh, my, we're there a lot of things to unpack from a 3110 Rams loss season opener to the Bills. Um, NFC West is not looking so good. Oh, my gosh. That's probably a net, a net neutral. If you're, you know, let's say Seattle loses uh, tonight, that's probably a net neutral for the, for the division. You can kind of restart at that point. But at the same time, what we want to do in this episode, because if you guys, and oh my gosh, so many of you, I think actually a record number of you read the pile over the weekend. And thank you so much for that. Holy cow. I I opened, opened up today. Uh, my numbers and I was like blown away. Uh, obviously it's, it's probably a little bit of hate reading happening there, <laughs> but, um, but if you haven't read the pile, so that breaks down a lot of things that happened in the moment, we'll touch on some of that stuff, but we really want to go big picture here because some of these problems that showed up in uh, Thursday night's game have to be fixed on a big picture level. Otherwise this team is in deep, deep deep trouble. So with that, Rich, what were your initial takeaways from, from that game? And and where do you want to start here?
2: Yeah, I mean, not not shocking that they lose the game, right? I mean, they they the Rams came in as underdogs. Buffalo was considered a Super Bowl contender, great team, a fantastic offense, strong defense. The fact that the Rams lose the game, I don't look at that and say, "Oh my gosh, you know, like it's time to panic." No, no, no. But but the, there were things that were within that that I thought were uh, somewhat concerning. I we, we can talk about the defense a little bit, Jordan, but I don't I don't know. I I look at it and I say uh, the Rams' defense being thrown out there in the opener. Uh, Uh, against about as good as an offense as you're going to see. Uh, They give up 31 points. Not great. Not what you want. Uh, But I also didn't look at that as something that was just a complete disaster. I know we're going to talk a little bit about third down situations. We're going to talk maybe about some of the big plays that they gave up. But in general, I didn't look at that as as a complete disaster. On the offensive side of the ball, I mean, I looked at three I I, I did a radio interview right before the game, right? Right. Right before we did our live room, which was also a lot of fun. And I appreciate everybody who joined joined in with us, uh, right before the game. But, you know, there were three things that I was looking at, uh, before the game. One of them was how the offensive line was going to play. One of them was how the running back situation was going to sort itself out. And the third one was how Allen Robinson was going to fit in. And all three of those Jordan were kind of disasters. If oh, we're for oh, for oh, three. Oh, for three.
1: <laughs> oh, I mean, and
2: those are three pretty big elements of your team. So I, I think from that perspective, uh, there's a little bit more to be concerned about. And Jordan, let's just let's just pull the Band-Aid off here because uh, like I said, it's, it's Monday. There's another game coming up real soon. And the Rams have some real issues here on the offensive line. Independent of how things went in the game on Thursday night, they now have a couple injury issues. Joe Noteboom, potentially Brian Allen. So can you just kind of set the table where we are right now? And with the caveat, of course, that things are going to evolve during the course of the week. Um, but, but where are we now? Now heading into kind of the start of practice with those injury situations, potential replacements and all that stuff.
1: Yeah. So Brian Allen is their starting center. He's going to be out for two to four weeks. He's got to get what Sean McVay described as I would say a minor, relatively minor knee procedure, but it's a loose bodies clean out. Um, which is not great. That kind of implies maybe some bursitis happening in there. It kind of implies maybe some calcifications in different ways happening in there that you don't want. And, you know, this knee has been an ongoing issue for Brian, but he was pretty durable last year, even going through a bunch of different things. So, and that's part of the reason why the Rams extended him is because he did play very, very well last year, probably a lot better than most expected other than, you know, Brian Allen and probably Sean McVay who, who loves the guy. Um, and then, so you've got an issue there. You you do have a pretty natural answer there in Coleman Shelton. Um, Coleman Shelton has some good experience at center. He's, he, he's played the position. He rotated pretty well with Brian Allen just in case of this type of scenario through camp. So it's not like he's coming in cold to snap the ball to Matthew Stafford. One thing I'm curious to ask about, though, is I'm curious to ask about how it changes. He's he's lefty, so he'll be snapping lefty to Matthew um, and Matthew loves to be in the gun and all of that stuff. So I think that that's that's a little bit interesting. It's not a huge detail, but it's fascinating to me as someone who kind of goes into these spirals over these small things. (laughs) Um, And then in Coleman's place, Coleman had obviously sort of wrestled away the, the right guard spot. And I would say Coleman Coleman and Rob Havenstein, I would say, probably had among the better it was a low bar, <laughs> but right. Coleman and and Rob Havenstein, I would say, had probably two of the better performances on the Rams' offensive line. So I don't think it's a bad thing that you're moving him even closer in the interior. Teams are going to now try to just rush for and really get that interior push against the Rams because they saw how much the Bills rattled Matthew Stafford. Like obviously Vaughn's coming off the edge a couple times, and that was something that was really really notable against Joe O'Boom. Um, but at the same time, you know that interior push, that rushing for that became the blueprint against Matthew Stafford specifically over uh, this last season and a half or so. And the bills came right out of the gate you know, kind of kicked the door down in that way. So I don't think it's necessarily terrible to have Coleman Shelton moved into that anchor point in the center. What I do think is going to be interesting is Tremaine Ancrum now is going to come in at right guard. And I'm, in- I'm interested, you know, he's, he's built like a guard. He's been developing You know, didn't quite claw away one of those starting positions, but was certainly in competition for that right guard spot between Logan Brest before Logan got hurt and Coleman Shelton. And I'm really, really interested in seeing how he performs. Um, Really, really smart guy. Really, really good dude. And I'm, you know, I'm wishing the best for him, obviously, but it will be an uphill learning curve for him. It'll be a a challenge because that's I think it's good, though, that you're lining up next to Rob Havenstein if, if you're filling in in that way. That probably goes factors, you know, some of the decision-making other than the fact that like Coleman's their best option at center at this point. And then Joe Noteboom has a little bit of a leg injury. That's not expected to hold him out against the Falcons, but you just, you really just never know with big guys and leg injuries. You really don't know. So AJ Jackson would be someone who would be poised to take over that left tackle spot. If that's the case, Um, AJ Jackson played really well against Minnesota last year, but at the same time, very, very inexperienced undrafted free agent. You know, I got some really positive texts from people exacts within the Rams building about AJ Jackson last year, about sort of his promise and potential that were really, really optimistic and positive. And he played really well when he had his opportunity. So, you know, some of these guys like this could be a total fiasco. It might actually be OK. We just don't know. And Grady Jarrett had one of the games of his last several years last week, Um, one of the Falcons D linemen. And the Falcons had a better performance on the D-line than they'd had in many seasons. Um, Three sacks in the first half, I believe, and they had had 18 sacks all of last season. So this is something certainly to monitor moving forward.
2: Yeah, not, not what you want, um, even if there's good options there. And it sounds like there are for the Rams. It's not what you want after week one to potentially be talking about two um, starters and um, definitely one with some some movement in there and uh, a center, pretty important position, and an interior line where you're going to have some shuffling, which is not exactly a position of strength for the Rams last week.
1: Yeah, it's not just that they got hurt after a, after a game like that, which was just – putrid putrid play from the offensive line and honestly looking like pretty woefully unprepared. And, you know, I, I don't want to say that that's a, I don't want to point the blame at any one or, or five people. I think it was a combination of all of the things like it just, you're going against a really, really good defensive line, a defensive line that if they can stay healthy, probably will be among the best and they can rotate and they're deep and particularly their, um, effective and and disruptive on the interior and that's something that the Bills really went after this year and and they built that way they saw where they were flawed and they went out and they sought the answer for that and that's part of the reason why they are Super Bowl contenders as I illustrated in my feature that came out on Thursday morning like They saw where their gap was and they went and filled it. And they did so aggressively, not just with Von Miller, but with a couple of the other additions that they made on the interior. Like that, that's a Super Bowl contending team. That's what they do. And so that was really striking. And they were prepared. They overall, they were anything the rams o line could possibly throw at them they were ready for it and they had it handled and it yeah. affected the entire game front to back in so many different phases as well um it allowed the 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 push and the pressure that they were getting with just 4 and again this is where matthew stafford's passing yard pass uh, excuse me completion percentage drops from like 75% versus quote unquote normal or extra man pressure with just 4 rushing it drops to like last year it dropped to like 63% depending on what alignment he was alignment he was out of which is still you know i guess you could say like above average but it was it's a significant change more importantly his EPA which is estimated points added which is you know a situational variable it's a situational metric that kind of quantifies the entirety of a play as it's unfolding and its success potential um it plummeted from like 0. 0.23 to like 0. 0.005. That's atrocious. Yeah. And so, you know, if you could do that, part of the reason why that works is not only because you're getting that, that pressure interior, which is like really disruptive for a quarterback, but also- it helped the bills keep a cap on the back of the defense. So they played in a shell similarly to how the Rams played. They mixed up some of their different uh, concepts underneath and some of the ways they tilt and clouded different coverages underneath that, that shell, but they played in a too high, essentially too high shell the entire game. They did not have to move or drop the shell one time. They, basically constricted against any of the explosing passive concepts that the Rams are so uh, had been so effective at opening the season last year. They constricted down because they are playing out of that shell that we know. And, and we've seen it for the last couple of years. And they basically sort of just, they, they did so very, very simply rush for keep the cap on the back suffocate. That's what they did. They made it. They affected the entire game because they were able to do that. And on the other side of the ball, that's something the Rams want to be able to do and should be able to do and 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 could not through the entire game. We'll get to that in a minute, but what I'm saying is an offensive line performance like that not just a bad one. Like you could probably get away with a medium one against the Bills. You could probably still make some things happen. It was historically bad. This is the mo- this is the most that Matthew Stafford has been pressured in in his entire Career with the Rams so far, I think you have to look back several years to figure out how many, te- you know, how often he's been pressured in this regard. Joe Noteboom just gave up, you know, he he did not play well. This is someone who you expected to be ready because he's been ready. He's been waiting for several years. He was not ready. The interior was not ready. Um, and this is these are first of all, it's the most number of sacks that a Sean McVay led team has ever given up because we know that Sean has ways to scheme around these things. And it wasn't happening. And there's like this ripple effect too, where you can talk about the running backs and some of the protections and some of those types of things. But at the same time, front, you know, all along this front line, whether you're bringing in extra help, extra protection, it was a colossal failure and it affected the entire game. So as we move forward in this podcast, as we talk about all of these different things um, that will uh, probably be something that they need to fix moving forward, we do so with the lens that. Everything started with this offensive line and how disastrous that was.
0: Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right.
2: Yeah, it, it, it's shocking um, just because that's not the standard we've come to ex- expect from um, this Rams offensive line. And uh, you, you knew there was going to be a little bit, you know, Joe Noteboom making his first start ever in regular season. Well, that's not true. If, if, if the first start as the as the guy at left tackle, at least um, expected a little bit of a, a maybe a learning curve there, especially against going against Vaughn Miller. I mean, how, how many practices did they uh, did they have on learned as his tendencies and things like that? So it wasn't shocking to me, but especially that interior. Your play too. I uh, did did not expect that, and and really, I have to say, you know, some of these sacks, Matthew Stafford, um, the 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 awareness. I know it's the first game. I know you haven't been out there in live live action for a long time, but but there were a handful of times, you know, watching from thirty thousand feet up there, where you're kind of like, okay, you got you can't you can't hang in there. You got it. You got to make a couple reads and get rid of the ball, like because he had to know that the pressure uh, w- was going to be coming. So we, we can talk a lot about that a little bit because I think it transitions into. The running backs and uh, very, very interesting, Jordan, and not at all uh, what I expected. Uh, the Rams come out with Daryl Henderson, which okay mine. Uh, you want to play Daryl Henderson the first couple series, but it just kept going and going to the point where I know I was getting and I'm sure you were getting tweets too saying, is is Cam Akers dressed? Is he on the sideline? And uh, Cam Akers hardly gets any action at all. Um, and, and then after the game, very curiously is kind of I don't think it's uh, so far to say called out by by Sean McVay for uh, uh, for needing to take advantage of his opportunities, uh, things like that. And and I know there can be some other issues there. There can be pass protection uh, issues. But again, I I look at Matthew Stafford on a couple of those too. He's like, okay, maybe your maybe your pass pro isn't what it needs to be, but you also bear some responsibility there for recognizing what your pocket situation is like and 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 getting rid of the ball. So I mean, Jordan, what did you make of that? I'm still not sure what to make of it. I mean, it, it's been a, a few days now, four days removed from the game. I'm I'm not really sure what the plan was supposed to be uh, with those running backs, and I'm not really sure what the situation was with Cam Akers. Is there even something kind of under under the surface here, or I mean, what what what's the takeaway there? And and more maybe more to the point, Jordan, wh- how can we expect that to color things going forward, uh, week two, week three, with Cam Akers?
1: Yeah, we'll get more into the passing game here in a minute, but I guess I would say like just an overall general annoyance that I have is that they saw that the Bills were going to play in a capped shell and constrict down on them the entire game. They were not moving from – even when they were trying to run Cooper Cup on some of those zone-beating crossers that he's so good at and like force-feeding him in a certain regard as well, um, they still were keeping the integrity of their shell, so – One of my general annoyances is like, go to a quick game. Your line is torrid. Right. You know, is that the right word? Torrid? No. That means, is that? No. Torrid means hot. Putrid. 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 Yeah. Horrid. Well, yeah, I I wasn't going (laughs) to say that's that's apt as well. But like putrid is what I was looking for. Your line is your line is putrid and. Like they're playing in the shell and the bills. The bills did this well. The Rams also play in a shell. Obviously, I understand there's nuances with some of the contours. I get that, guys. But like, go to a quick game. Use your running backs in a quick game, and and they didn't. And they weren't. You know, there was no rhythm, and there were no little like uh, you know, little catch and runs or things like that. And you could see there's this play now, that, now that's been circulating of Cam Akers and. It looks like he's supposed to come in and and stand up to the the one of the interior rushers. But it also looked like the call was maybe that he was supposed to be on one of those little quick outs and, and a catch and run outlet for, for Matthew. But the problem is like Matthew's sort of back is turned to him. And then also the rusher is coming way too fast. He beats Edwards like no problem at all. And then Cam sort of hesitates, like, "Do I pick up? Do I go?" You know, and and it right. was like those types of things they'll, they'll get you killed as a team if you hesitate like that when that kind of pressure is coming. And so that was, in general, there it, with the running situation, it surprised everybody that Daryl was in that long. I'll I'll say this, like, first of all, you had gotten a sense of a little bit of frustration from Sean McVay when those two were coincidentally out at the same time with the same exact injury and then returned on the same exact day, I asked him directly, is it, is it, you know, almost irritating or frustrating in a way that you've had to sort of recalibrate this run game. And then you're having some issues with getting these guys up and rolling and those kinds of things. And, and he did seem frustrated by that, but cam is healthy. Like cam is hundred percent cleared and healthy. Right. Daryl is healthy. Daryl is 100% cleared and healthy. One of those guys, both of those guys were splitting rep shares on the first team throughout the entirety of training camp, other than when they were, you know, coincidentally sidelined with the same exact injury that they returned from on the same exact day. (laughs) Um, They were both splitting an even rep share and on the first team, working into the passing game, doing all kinds of things that you would expect them to be doing. And something happened after... I whether it's after they closed practices and started going to the install, I don't know, because they entered that game with Cam Akers clearly a plan to not get him involved until the second quarter because they kept Daryl in over and over and over again. And clearly, you know, there was a plan coming in that he would not be super involved. And then for afterward, for Sean McVay to come out and say, well, he has to make the most of his opportunities. For me, that didn't track because I'm like, he only got three three carries and he was on the field for like 12 snaps and yeah, no, they weren't the best snaps at all. But at the same time, like, What's going on that made you enter the game with that sort of plan? So that's what I asked him about on uh, on Friday when we when we last spoke to Sean McVay. And, and just so you guys know, like Sean apparently will not be available today, which is Monday. Um, and so we're getting a couple of players today. It doesn't sound like Cam Akers or Alan Robinson will be available either until we get in the locker room later this week. So just so you guys are all aware of kind of what the schedule looks like. Um, it's, it's like clearly something is going on in terms of, Sean McVay saying outright, "I need more urgency from him." We know what he's capable of. We know what he can do. We know what both of these guys can do when they're clicking at their best. And to me, it's a direct, it's a direct uh, message from from Sean that he needs more from from Cam. And that's the thing that's that's been that's the gap in my understanding. And that's why I would love to talk to Cam about this directly because the gap in my understanding is what happened in the couple of weeks between expectation and reality in which stuff just wasn't coming together in the way that it needed to. Um, because Cam entered the spring, like I said, one of the most fired up people I have ever seen in terms of ready to prove himself and ready to make an impact. So I'm wondering about this. This is something that it could be a big story down the line. And it's also telling to me, the Rams let Sony Michelle walk out of the door. Yeah, And, you know, it's not like he really had an explosive amazing game for the Chargers on on Sunday but he they clearly needed to spell Austin Eckler at times and he was a steady veteran just and he he worked into that offense immediately in a pinch okay. in an emergency if something unexpected happens you have a back who works into something and it doesn't have to be Sony there's a back who works into something in an emergency who you can count on. It's not like he's going to blow the game out, but like you can count on him. And this is, I think, a big concern moving forward for the Rams. It's a question. And, and frankly, guys, like it does not track at all with what, with what I was watching through the spring and the summer. So that's why I'm as as surprised as you guys are. And like, I definitely am seeing my mentions, like, please stop yelling at me. Like fantasy football people, like I, this is (laughs) as much of a surprise in terms of the usage and in terms of sort of like the messaging that, that Sean McVay has put out there now. And I think, I think it's interesting, you know, it could, it could all just be a motivational tactic about like sticking your face in there more on pass pro or, or what have you, but it doesn't, it just does not track with the plan, the expect, the expected plan that I saw outlined at the beginning of the spring and summer and through the, and through much of the summer until like that, you know, Coincidental injury that happened to both of them on the same day that held them out until their return on coincidentally the same day So it's Mm -hmm. like I I don't know you know, I don't understand. Yeah. And it doesn't help either when your line looks like that. So, obviously, like I said, everything goes back to that lens. It does not help. Daryl, I thought, put together a couple of good runs. There was like an 18 yard run that he had that was really solid. I would like, again, I would like to see a little bit more when stuff is an issue. I'd like to see them adjust more into a quick passing game. I'd like yeah. to see them adjust. You know, they have Ben Skaronic out there. And clearly, once that pressure, they were not going to sub in, you know, Tutu Atwell. I mean, It's like what I've been saying this entire time, guys, like see what he does when actual real contact that has bad intentions, you know, hits him and see what kind of game he puts together at that point before you make your judgments. And, you know, so they were clearly going to go in with they were playing 11 personnel, but they're clearly going in with, quote unquote, heavier Personnel out of that 11 personnel, meaning Ben Skoranek and Cooper Cup were like lined up near the stack with Cooper sort of in that hybrid slot slash blocking role. They were playing their 11 and a half personnel, right? They were doing some play action. They were doing some things to try to beat the pressure to try to beat that pressure. And you have Ben Skoranek in there and, you know, like put You know put a quick run a little like where's your where's your little your catch and runs and your little quick outs and your little things that you know you can do to adjust and and utilize the running backs unless unless again unless they cannot do it so there's a disconnect there that i'm not quite understanding and obviously nobody's going to come out right out and say like and throw people under the bus and they shouldn't it's a team they should stay together but it's also like there is clearly a disconnect there. And it's disappointing because Sean McVay said flat out that two of the biggest things that they were going to make sure that they worked on this year was making sure that offensive line was ready to go and that run game. And both of them were a disaster.
2: Yeah. Yeah. no, And now Kyron Williams out also. I yeah. Mean, and it's, Kyron it's,
1: Williams yeah. is out for at least six weeks because um, poor guy. He was on a kick. They put him in on a kickoff. They were expecting him to be worked into the run game, which again, that's maybe your passing down guy. Like maybe that's your outlet guy. That's what he was doing when he was with Matthew Stafford. So that's a huge blow. Yeah. And so maybe that's your option. And then now you don't have that option. And so now you're relying on maybe guys who you don't trust quite as much in those situations, which it's yeah. all so disconnected. And now you're now you lose Kyron for six to eight weeks with with an ankle injury right after he recovers from a bo- broken foot. I mean, I hate it for the guy. Yeah. It's brutal. but it also it's like the discombobulation, like it's very clear.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And something that's really got to get where I was shocked. I, I did not, I, I'm still trying to piece it together. Like I said, and and of course we don't see everything you, you know, Jordan, you get to see a lot, you talk to a ton of people, <laughs> but, but nobody's going to come out and, and, you know, lay it all out exactly. So we have to try to piece it together. And uh, I feel like it is something that, that's going to reveal itself in, in, in pieces here over, over the next few weeks. But I, I was shocked at the way uh, that that went and uh, Jordan kind of a natural pivot point, because you're talking about how to move the ball. Uh, I, I mean, and, and by the way, I totally agree with you. And then you, you look at the the game plan that, that teams come up with to, to, to slow Aaron Donald, right? There is no way to slow Aaron Donald. The way you slow Aaron Donald is you get the ball out of your hands before Aaron Donald can maul you. That's really the only way that you slow down Aaron Donald. And, and Buffalo did a great job of that, getting the ball out quick, getting it and throwing a slant, throwing to the running back, throwing little outs, whatever it may be. Uh, obviously they had a highly accurate quarterback who who executed that very well, but they also had a good plan for, for, the most part in the game. And uh, you, you just didn't see that uh, in in large part with the Rams. And part of that, Jordan, if I can make a natural pivot to our other uh, kind of big storyline here, is everybody wondered what Alan Robinson was going to look like. And let, let's, let's put the asterisk at the beginning here, right? And say that this is one game, and this is the first game, and this is the first time that other than, I'm going to say, joint practices, that Matthew Stafford and Alan Robinson were out there together against an opposing defense. Okay, not going to put a ton into it uh, because it's one game and a lot can change. People pointed out that Odell Beckham's first game with the Rams, not a whole lot of that. Fine. Okay, fine. But it was interesting, Jordan. Two targets uh, for, for the guy that you brought in to kind of reshape your offense a little bit. They obviously make a big swing there in in trading away Robert Woods and, and bringing in Allen Robinson. And he was not a part of this offense at all. Um, and that's notable. I don't care if it's just one game. It's notable. And also notable to me, Jordan, and I, I want you to run with this because I don't want to make too much out of it. I don't want to put it out of context. Um, so I want you to provide the context. Here is some of the comments that came out after the game. You, you, you and your colleagues were obviously asked about this, and uh, Matthew Stafford gave an answer that was kind of, kind of veered into like, well, they weren't, they, they, they hardly played any man defense, so you know, well, there was something out on the perimeter, blah blah blah, and I'm like, okay, well that that's interesting, and then Sean McVay kind of brought. It up on his own I, I believe in the second day press conference uh where he said you know need to get alan more involved uh he also kind of threw in there as, as sean does sometimes well there were some opportunities there that, that yeah you know um so to so the extent that we can let, let's let's piece this together oh, oh and one other thing before i throw it to you by the way i i saw people were say, because you know on on Twitter, uh, you, people send me a couple videos where somebody did all these cut ups of Allen Robinson. Look how wide open he was on every play, every play, every play. I'm like, okay. Like, first of all, uh, understand what Jordan just said. The, the kind of defense that Buffalo was playing when that show. Like, look at look at those plays where you say Allen Robinson was wide, quote unquote, wide open. I mean, he had a defender either shadowing him or over him or under. If Matthew Stafford makes the throw when when Allen Robinson is wide open, that that's gonna get deflected or intercepted or it's it's not it's not he wasn't wide he wasn't 20 yards wide open I mean he had somebody either covering under or over anyway I just wanted to make that point I appreciate people sending that stuff but it's not quite when we, you, need, you need to have some context for for what kind of defense is being played there too
1: yeah Jordan I what
2: think- it, what did what did you think about this I mean obviously it wasn't what we expected so uh but but what what kind of context did you put that in
1: yeah I think in the context of though I've I saw some of those videos too and First of all, like, I think people need to be aware that a lot of times people pluck out plays to fit their own narrative. And I think we yes. need to be aware of that because this is the Internet and nothing is real. So um, placing that in context. But then also on some of that stuff, if the timing is different, then you can take those little paper cuts, essentially. It's what right. the Bills were very comfortable doing. You know, Alan Robinson's not really known as like a catch and run player. Um that wasn't really the way that the Rams were playing at the end of the year last year. And they in seeking out Allen Robinson um, after losing out on Von Miller, that's kind of the, their what, what was their thesis in this is like okay we're gonna ultimately get our offense to where kind of we were at the end of last year and having those very complimentary receivers in Cooper Cup and Odell Beckham Jr and um you know you're going to set up different layers and contours in that way and you're maybe not going to be doing the the catch and run stuff that um you know Jared Goff was really had really good receivers with and the Rams were really um sort of almost dependent on the that type of thing for a while, but when they're playing a cap as hard as they are and you cannot beat the pressure, it's okay to take some of those little, um, he ran a, a shitload of hitch routes, like 25% of his routes were like hit, were hitch routes. And no, you don't want to be closed down upon. You kind of saw that that, that right. happened to not on the same type of concept, but you saw it happen like to Tutu Atwell. He was crashed down on and dropped the ball. Like Allen Robinson's a big bodied, strong handed receiver. You can get him for a couple of yards on a hitch and pick and pick and pick. You can do that, but it never seemed like that was the Rams' plan was to try to pick away it was either all it was kind of like sometimes it was like these all or nothing plays mm-hmm. that were interesting mm-hmm. because you kind of had to be that way in, a, in certain plays because they weren't getting anything going on the with the with the run and they weren't able to um set up you know manageable downs and distances so it all kind of fits together but i do think that right. there were like three i would say in going back over my own studies and then um you know, Timo Rask over at uh, PFF helped me out with some of this charting stuff, because as it turns out, next gen stats will only give you the statistics that they want to give you as a part of their commercialized packaging. And <laughs> I love next gen stats. And so I'm not, you know, shitting on them because that's like yeah. a part of a business plan. Yeah. But they're only giving you separation per routes, per route run, per target. Well, what happens when the, the damn receiver is not getting targeted? You know, right, I still right. like to measure that, right? So, yeah, yeah. So that's
2: arguably more important. I was like, this than, might yeah.
1: be more crucial, actually, yeah. in the context of this situation. So my entire weekend has been spent, um, actually, digging into this, and I'll, I'll have a piece coming later on this week. But it's like it's been a lot of work because it's like it's being tracked, but they won't divulge the information because it doesn't suit a commercialized purpose anyway. I'm not going to go on that rant. Okay. Right, so Right. Right. Anyway, what we found was that there were a couple of opportunities where he had a uh you know substantial plus positive in terms of that separation where it would have certainly led to either an explosive or um some sort of a catch and run opportunity um and one of those was the third down that Matthew Stafford kept the ball um a couple of the one of those was at the end of the game when he was targeted um and then there were a couple more opportunities where it was pretty clear that the pressure got to Matthew first before he could make different reads in the progression. But it was pretty clear too. You take that and you add the truth at the same time that Cooper Cup is one of the best zone beating receivers in the NFL and has been for quite a while. And so when the sledding gets tough and you already have Cooper because they're playing all zone the entire game and you have Cooper and he's the first read in your progression because you're playing zone beaters and you're you're trying to, to crack that zone the entire game Um, and he's your first read and also you're getting blown up you know within milliseconds on that offensive line so you're basically force feeding that read and you're not getting your head around and you're not getting through your progression as a quarterback and it's interesting because that was clearly the bill's plan is to not let matthew do any post-snap processing that's where he excels that's where he has leverage points. That's where he can manipulate certain things and do different things. And they clearly, that was the name of the game, is make everything look the same pre-snap and not give you the time post-snap to, to do what you need to do, specifically by pressuring only four and keeping extra guys on the back end. If they had to bring rushers at any point, then you're starting to see a little bit more isolations in different areas. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think that it's, like with what, what Matthew Stafford said, I actually more so agree with Sean and that I saw opportunities yeah. to get Allen Robinson the ball. I also understand what Matthew was saying without um if I'm translating it in, in this way with the context, like Cooper cup being the more dominant zone beating receiver, that's who he's getting the ball to. On the other hand, like I agree that that both things are true with, with Sean, there were definitely opportunities to get Allen Robinson the ball and it could have changed some of the ways that they worked their leverage points. It could have changed some of the ways that the, the bills played them. But I think a lot of it too comes down to again, the pressure and um, unable to adjust and and change that game plan because they kept, they, he just, they kept running him on the same concept. And that's, that's also a problem. Like Allen Robinson is, was doing everything in camp. He was working underneath. It was kind of like someone brought up a really great point um, to me on Twitter the other day. And I'm trying to, I don't remember the handle, but um, shout out to this guy, was brought up the point where people started playing that cap zone rushing four against Pat Mahomes. And they, they would keep the integrity of the shell because you don't want Tyreek Hill to get behind you. This is before, in the before times. And they just started working Tyreek Hill underneath and just like let him cook all day. Every all day and Allen Robinson is not Tyree kill, but in terms of adjusting and pivoting with a receiver who is capable, Allen Robinson is capable of making those adjustments it could have been pressure it could have been the first game it could have been a variety of different reasons it could have been right. horrible down and distance management because of uh, all of the other facets of the game that were not working for them it could have been a combination of all these things but bottom line is you went out and got that guy and you paid him you need to work him into the game plan your quarterback needs to get him the ball it's yeah. a coaching it's a coaching and it's also allen robinson needs to continue to show that he can work into this offense and he also so it's a it's a triumvirate of things that need to all occur all at the same time. I don't think it's any one thing. I think that um, it was clear though, that there was just almost like it was just a, the offense was at times both clunky and frenetic. And that's not the way to go ever, Mm. especially if you want to play tempo, especially if you want to get into that rhythm, it just, it's not the way to go. And I think too, this also kind of illustrated because if Van Jefferson's on the field you change your coverage contours. Van yeah. Jefferson can take the top off of a de- of a defense. Yeah. Van Jefferson also can be really really versatile. He can line up closer to the stack like Ben Strowick was doing, but he can also cut downfield and get you some some serious air yards. He can stretch in certain ways. Now it's not saying Allen Robinson can't, but you able, if you can drop that many backing coverage, you can cloud the coverage toward Allen Robinson and keep Cooper Cup sort of cup sort of underneath that shell. And then everything's muddy and messy. And then you have no receiver who's getting behind anyone because you've got two cap or like cloud of boundary on one side and then Cooper cups kept underneath. It's a hard sentence to say, but basically if Van Jefferson's on the field, I think a lot of things are different. So it's, it's, to, that showed me a lot of different things. Like I think when van comes back, you'll see them play this offense in a lot of different ways. Um, because Vince Garonic kind of is playing that sort of, um, that quote, unquote, like that, why, right. Where that Robert Woods used to play where, right. um, you, you know, you can make and like, I'm not saying they're comparable at all, but kind of in that like heavier personnel sort of look that, it was almost like they were caught in between like what used, what they used to look like and what they want to look mm. like. And none of it was coming together.
2: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. That is how it looked actually. <laughs> so um, I'm, I, I can't wait uh, to read this, this piece that you're talking about. And uh, I know it'll provide the kind of I'm laughing thinking about that next gen thing. Like, and I love the next gen uh, by the way, but and but I
1: get you, it. Good. That's yeah, fine. Yeah. That's fine. We're partnered <laughs> with true media right. and they, they do a great job, but it's only very like, right. If if you're a partner with the league, then you can track GPS data, you can track right, um, right. you right. can track separation per route run, you can do all of these things. Whereas right. like that's not public data. I right. could argue that it in a different world, uh, it could be public data and that would be great, a great learning tool and teaching tool for everyone. But I understand like if you are that company, you sell your data. So I, I right, get it, right? right I get right. it. It doesn't make me thrilled, but I totally understand. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, thank you for spending your whole weekend uh, getting getting to the bottom. Uh, sounds like a real party. Uh, they're cutting cutting up film, but uh, but it's what you do best, and uh, I can't wait to see what uh, what comes of that. So fantastic. Let's. Uh, we, we've got a little bit of time here. We got to let Jordan go. We got some availability. She's going to go uh, talk to some offensive linemen and find out what's going on there uh, in a little bit. So definitely uh, check that out. Uh, later on today but the defense Jordan and and I think the big thing to me I mean that look there were a lot of things that Buffalo did well there were some things that the Rams could have done a lot better but if there's one thing I think that could have changed parts of this game if not the entire game is getting off the field on third down and then Buffalo did a nice job you talk about one thing the Rams didn't do which was uh, too often they they were behind the sticks with with some bad first down plays they uh, Buffalo was in good position to convert some of those third down downs, but boy, oh boy, did they convert them. And, and I think that, that made a difference. Were there any, were there any commonalities that that you saw Jordan uh, that, or or was it just an extension of, of that, uh, of that strategy that they had uh, to to come in and and kind of pick apart that, that Rams defense?
1: Yeah, I, I understand. Believe me when I say I understand people's gripes about why are they so far off of the defense or the offensive player? Why are the defensive defensive players playing so far off in that zone? Why is there an 11 yard cushion in that zone versus, you know, like a three yard cushion in that zone? Um, You know, it, it just depend. Like for me, I could understand, especially the first half. And in, I look at that first half in a vacuum. That's the way that this Rams defense wants to play. Um, It didn't necessarily, you know, it 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 was a tight game. They capitalized on the fact that they were going to force the Bills to be patient and pick them apart in tiny pieces, which is again that death by ten thousand paper cuts style of play. But then also be aggressive in certain areas um, and take the ball away. Now there's one play in particular, and I I loved this for him because he knows what this is all about. Troy Hill. There was one play where this is what the defense is supposed to look like with an aggressive corner. Who's matching a route because he pattern matched it in practice and is jumping it and taking the ball away out of that, out of that shell. That is what Troy Hill did when he had his interception. That was what, that's what the ethos of this defense. You saw it on Sunday with some of the coverages that the chargers were using. That is what, when you know Bryce Callahan makes a nice play th- these types of things this is what this is supposed to look like that play in a vacuum that Troy made was outstanding um I would say that they went into the game uh, believing that they had to make the other team outpatient them quote unquote and Jalen Ramsey said it really well where it was almost like, One of the things they came away most impressed with about Josh Allen wasn't his big arm or anything, but the fact that he was able to stay patient, that's the play caller, that's the design of the game, that's being more prepared than the Rams, first of all, because you knew that they were going to make you do that, and then you went out and did it, and it was also sort of that combination of playing essentially the Rams worst nightmare combo of teams, which is a team that can go ball control and stay on the field on third down for, for whatever reason Um, a couple of play breaks, there was um a touchdown on third down that shouldn't have happened. There were just different, like small mistakes. Right. And even though it didn't show up in the turnover margin, the Rams were the ones that if you look at the small mistakes, quote unquote, that led to big plays in terms of just the defense alone, that was what the the changing moments were they rotated down uh to uh like a single high in the second half so they cracked the integrity of the shell the cap on the back of the defense the literally the play after they did that josh allen killed them with an explosive mm. and those explosives were the difference the three explosives were the difference in the three touchdown game so it's like And just to reiterate, when you have an explosive play, there is then a 50% greater chance that you score points at the end of that play than when you don't have an explosive. That's a freaking, I almost said the other word, that's a freaking Mm. huge margin, which is why the Rams play in this you know, cover six hybrid shell that they play in and why this defense is so popular in a league that's so heavy with passing. Now, again, that being said, I understand the frustration of, OK, well, then constrict down tighter on the coverage in mm-hmm. that zone, constrict, take out some of the airspace, especially on third down in that zone. Um, And to me, that's like something that's when Jalen was saying, hey, we wanted to play more more man to man. That was something where I think that was he was in the same accord of maybe wanting to constrict down some of the air out of that out of that shell in certain occasions, certain moments. Um, Eric Weddle was really, really good at doing that. Um, Eric Weddle was telling me that instead of playing, you know, 13 yards off in a zone and hit their zone shell, one of their shells at certain times in the 49ers game, he was playing three yards off instead. A lot of it because he knew where he needed to be a lot of, because he knew how the play contours were going to unfold and where other guys had to go and, and that type of a thing. And that's, and that's interesting to me, but at the same time, you know, where is the difference between that and then also knowing that the quarterback can beat you with his legs. So maybe you play off a little bit more because you need, you're need you going to need to move laterally to the perimeter if you have to, if he takes off and runs. Um, maybe there's uh, a sense where you you know that, you know, he can really kill you with with his arm, with the big throws, even if he's getting hit, which he did on one of the plays if you lose integrity of that cap of that shell. And so kind of a pick your poison situation. Um, And I think that's where things get muddled. And I, you can really, it's a Rorschach test of the person who is watching. Like I could go through my Twitter feed and divide the people who, who are like, okay yeah i get i get what they're trying to do it's not like i'm thrilled watching it because it's anxiety manifested but also um i get what they're trying to do versus the people who are like take the air out of the zone like all this stuff and and honestly i think it's both are like both are fair analyses and and assessments but this is this is the way they play right the thing is is when you lose the integrity of a shell, when you are the first one to make the mistake, like biting on that play action as hard as they did um, early on in the game, when you are, when you, not necessarily even the turnovers or takeaway margin, when you make one more mistake than the other person and they have a quarterback and receivers who are good enough to capitalize immediately off of that mistake, that's when this defense loses its integrity. And that's, that was the problem. It was a problem on third down quite a bit. Um, you know, I'm. You know, that was a historic number of third down conversions that the Bills made. That's concerning. Now, I don't yeah. have a ton of gripes with this defense, other than those explosives and the, and those third downs. I really think right. that, you know, this this will be a solid group down the line. And I thought you can go read the pile. I thought Bobby Wagner especially made some autonomous adjustments mid game that were really really interesting. Um, and definitely go check that out if you haven't read that yet. But yeah, it's um, I think there's a lot to like out of this, and I don't think, you know. I don't think the defense entirely like even cl- is close to the singular reason why the Rams lost that game. Um, the third down is not good. You cannot have that on third down. Um, but at the same time, like again, I think it a lot of it goes back to offensive line. Now you're playing from a deficit. Now you're dealing with certain things in your pass rush that you have to change. Like it all has this ripple effect. If you can't score points, put points on the board, and and kind of keep your foot on the gas, and the Rams, it all was a uh, a cycle of hell for them, frankly.
2: A cycle of hell. That's the <laughs> that's a great way to describe it. And uh, yeah, I, I agree, Jordan. And uh, the good news, if you're looking at it from this perspective, is it, it's not going to get much tougher than the Buffalo Bills um, in terms of quarterback, in terms of uh, threats, uh, skill position, in terms of uh, offensive design. I mean, that's a, that's a tough, tough first matchup uh, to, to have to deal with if you're a defense. Um, so fascinated to see how that turns around the Rams are under five hundred for the first time under Sean McVeigh. Of course, he had won every opener um, and uh, now has lost this one. Atlanta Falcons coming in, coming off their own loss, 27-26 to the New Orleans Saints. Um, so two teams that very much do not want to start 0-2. And uh, it'll be great to watch Jordan, as you've already heard, has some great stuff planned for us leading up to that game. And I know she's going to get to the bottom of all of this, it's going to be some great stuff out there starting very soon. So, Jordan, we're going to cut you loose so that you can go start sleuthing and finding out what's going on. But if you're not already following along with Jordan on Twitter, please do so, at Jordan Rodrigue. Great follow, great information. We appreciate all of our subscribers to The Athletic. It's been a great start to the season. Thank you so much. And if you're not already on board, please do it right now. It's so easy. Just go to theathletic.com slash 11 personnel get all of jordan's great coverage and you'll make her happy because you'll get her favorite thing in the entire world which is what
1: a great discount you guys every time you subscribe to the athletic through the 11 personnel podcast you get my favorite thing in the world which is as we know a great discount it's week two. Uh, it should be interesting. The Atlanta Falcons are coming to town. Make sure you're keeping up to speed on all of the coverage ahead in the coming weeks and particularly as the Rams attempt to right the ship um, and maybe enter this next one looking a little bit more prepared. Um, as always, guys, hope you're taking care of yourselves. More importantly, hope you're taking care of each other, and we'll catch you next time.